All right. Well, welcome everybody uh, to Flash One Podcast. My name is Owen Higgins. I am your host. Um, and today I'm joined by David Griscom, uh, co-host of Left Reckoning. Um, and we are going to talk about some political goings on in um, a small city you guys may have heard of called New York uh, that is sometimes discussed uh, in left pol- political circles. Uh, we're going to talk about the campaign, the primary campaign for state senate in the 59th district, um, where Kristen Gonzalez, the kind of DSA progressive favorite, is facing off against Elizabeth Crowley, uh, relative of Joe Crowley, who AOC defeated a few years ago. Uh, and she's also facing off against podcaster and commentator uh, Nomiki Konst. And Konst's involvement, just for anybody who doesn't know kind of what's going on here, so Konst's involvement in this race has been kind of uh, treated as though she were a spoiler candidate. Uh, She's been heavily criticized for jumping in the race. She's kind of seen as somebody who would split the left vote and maybe deliver the uh, primary to Crowley. Uh, And I have been kind of covering this uh, for some time on the show. Uh, we've had Aaron Naraf, we had a uh, former con spokesperson, Walker Bragman, on the show uh, to talk about the campaign. They had a debate, and then we had Aaron come on again to kind of give a an, like an update, a kind of state of the race. And uh, you know, I've I've been trying to keep pretty neutral on this, and I've been kind of trying to keep a an open mind toward uh, why people are, why Konst in particular uh, is running. Um, but the kind of stuff that we've seen, especially over the last week with this debate um, and and this insistence from uh, Nomiki that Kristen signed this uh, pledge against um, harassment or something uh, has, has really kind of, pushed me over a little bit on this and I, and, and I'm, I'm a lot less sympathetic to Const and to her reasons uh, for running uh, to the point that I'm kind of wondering if she really is running uh, for any other reason than just to kind of stop Gonzalez from winning the seat. And I, of course, look, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be proven wrong here. I'm happy uh, to be, uh, to be wrong on this. In fact, I'd prefer to be wrong on this, but that's kind of the impression that I get. And I know that David shares some of those concerns. So, uh, David, welcome to the show. Um, I was hoping that maybe you could kind of walk people through like where you come down on this, because I think you've been a little bit more critical for a longer time than I have, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, you know, a couple things just up top, you know, I'm not in New York, I don't pay a lot of attention to New York politics, but I sort of got <clears throat> thrown into this race and controversy pretty early um, because I know Nomiki, um, both, you know, from her appearances on, you know, the the Michael Brooks show where I used to work on um, and through things like Majority Report. So almost immediately after she announced, um, you know, I felt obligated to make it very clear that um, you know, myself, you know, supports the DSA candidate. And I know Matt Leck, my co-host, and also on the majority report felt the same way. Um, you know, so for the most part, uh, I wasn't too interested in doing much more than that. 
But where I have become um, a little bit more critical and open about my criticism is that I think that this has gone from just being, you know, maybe a strategic error or like you maybe should be running in this race because it might be splitting the progressive vote. It's starting to feel like this campaign is really starting to not only not be productive in the sense of getting Gonzalez elected, um, but becoming a very anti-DSA campaign in general. And that's something as a socialist, um, you know, no matter where you live, I think is worthwhile jumping in and, and pointing out that this is not, you know, a friendly campaign and it has some pretty serious implications um, for this movement that we're trying to build nationally. Yeah, that's, you know, that's interesting. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit because Kant's uh, kind of, Nomiki's, um, a lot of her complaints uh, about the campaign have kind of focused or kind of orbited around, I guess, the idea that uh, that Gonzalez's campaign is full of these kind of abusive trolls from mm-hmm. DSA and and from the left, and uh, you know it, it. You're right. It has kind of become like the purpose. It has kind of become like what seems like the purpose of the campaign is to attack like that specific part of the DSA uh, left, right? And, and like I'm not saying that um, that it's just a, a, a pure anti DSA campaign. What I'm saying is that as far as like the New York DSA, like that's who she's really targeting. Um, but it does seem like it is coming at the expense of, you know, fighting for the kind of policy that they both want. Right. Or like fighting does, Crowley. Or fighting Crowley. Right. So those are the two big things. And I'm wondering, like, what you what you think about that and that kind of um, like, like the way that she has kind of targeted uh, mm-hmm. the DSA and targeted the left here. In, in in a way that it is kind of like reminds me a little bit of how the Clinton campaign went after Sanders and his supporters, which I know is kind of like a tired comparison, but it's also one that I think is accurate, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, very much so. And like the difference there is that like, you know, we're now starting to build up our own kind of independent member run organization where the, you know, Bernie was people associating themselves with him, right? Um, and, and I think that that development has been really exciting. Like, before even Nomiki came into the race, like, again, on Left Reckoning, we, we don't really cover too much New York politics. When we cover New York politics at all, it's sort of in the same way that we would cover something that happens in England, right? Like, it's important for everybody to know. It feels like a, a national story, or at least there's lessons here. And, um, you know, to start off with, like, from the get-go, there was this kind of implication that, like, DSA was almost like a foreign agent in the community, which I think is absolutely ridiculous um, to imply. Um, I was uh, very positive on the fact that uh, New York DSA is running on a slate, which I think is a really important development for us to be doing everywhere. So we're not so tied up, you know, on individual candidates as personalities, but rather seeing people as, you know, movement uh, candidates, you know, not to get too in the weeds about like democratic social strategy, but, you know, the, the enigma, the trouble, the tension that we have to deal with is that currently right now, a lot of those campaigns are being waged within Democratic Party primaries. And like trying to use that um, tool, you know, to get power, but also not being completely co-opted into the Democratic Party machine. It makes it really important that like we're sort of running a, hey, this is a slate, not just like an individual progressive candidate here. This is somebody who's a part of a larger movement, both in your community, in your state, but also nationally. Um, You know, so on that level, it was just like I was already very pro uh, the New York uh, DSA slate because I felt that that was really good intervention. Um, so from the get-go, I was, I was really frustrated about that. But yeah, I mean, like, I think maybe, you know, to put some meat on it for folks, um, 
you know, so it doesn't just seem like I'm just casting aspersions. Like, you know, Nowicki tweeted this out last week, uh, solidarity with movement leaders and organizers with a record, not institutions who can be corrupted by their industrial complex and deal making. We must be wiser. This is how movements are killed. And I just find that to be, and again, she never calls him out by name, <laughs> um, but I think it's very clear who that's being directed at. And well, what, I, what, what exactly is she saying there though? Because I saw you post that and I was hoping that you maybe you could tease out like exactly like what the, what is the point that she's really making there? Because it seems like there's, there's like the kind of surface level, but then it, there does seem to be, there's, there's kind of like, I, you know, I don't want to call it a subtweet, but it's like this kind of like subtext, right? There's a subtext mm-hmm. to it a subtext of attack. And, and what is that exactly? Well, I think this goes into some of the attacks that have been, you know, laid at Gonzalez by the No Miki campaign is that she's not like a real movement leader or organizer, nobody in the community knows her, which again, I find to be really laughable um, from everything that I understand. Uh, Gonzalez has been very active in her community. And I think just the fact, uh, if you look at the donations, the fact that most of the donations that, that, that Gonzalez has more donations from people who live in that actual district that No Miki's got, um, I think I uh, might sort of point to who knows who in, in the district. Um, but that's the first level claim. Uh, but the second level is not institutions who can be corrupted by their industrial complex and deal making. And that's the bit that I think uh, really sends me over the line um, where, again, you're again, you're not even focusing on the individual candidate uh, that you're running against. You're running against a democratically run volunteer member based organization. Um, you know, that has a sizable presence in New York and, and hopefully will continue to grow nationally. And I just think like, look, you can disagree with the DSA. Um, you know, hell, if you're a progressive and a socialist, like we might have different politics and there's things that we could tease out in the political arena. I'd prefer for people to, you know, <laughs> line up behind the, you know, the socialist politics, but fair, fair game. I think it's absolutely ridiculous to start making these implications that one of the most exciting things that we've seen in my lifetime, because look, I've been, I've been a socialist for a long time. I remember the dark days when it was just sort of like a little personal secret that you held, you know, um, and you didn't really have an avenue, an arena to practice that kind of politics and build power. I just find it really unseemly to, uh, you know, make this implication that the DSA of all things has been corrupted. Um, and, you know, I, I try to be careful here because again, you know, knowing people personally means you have things behind the scene, but like, I, I think that this was born out or this had its genesis a little bit before the campaign of sort of acting like, uh, from Nomiki sort of treating DSA as if it's sort of, uh, you know, not foreign necessarily in the sense of, uh, you know, internationally foreign or something like that, but it's something that's being imposed on New York politics rather than something that's coming up from the grassroots. So kind of like, uh, like you're not from here kind of. Yeah. Like, like, like is, not necessarily like you, like not, you're not from, like you're saying, like, not, you're not from here. Like you're not allowed to be here, but like uh, it's, it's almost like, like, like what you're describing sounds uh as if maybe maybe the uh maybe the attack line here is this idea of like stay in your lane and wait your turn right like that Mm -hmm. kind of a thing like more more than like it's not it's not so much that like it's not that you're not allowed uh but it's just like that you know you 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 need to show respect and 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 fall back a little bit right like I'll, i'll just say this about like new york politics again i'm no expert but i did live there for two and a half years um that is a machine state in a way that really surprised me coming from the South and, you know, not a place that's very well known for having a thriving democracy. Um, the amount of power that institutions and particularly the democratic party holds there is, is really exceptional. Um, so what you're seeing now, like through the DSA and through all of this is that 
you know, people, particularly younger folks, are trying to find ways to build up their own independent institutions so that they can leverage power and win, um, you know, reforms in the here and now, instead of having to go through, you know, institutions that are very beholden um, to private interests and, and capital in general. Um, so, yeah, it's like, no, no, don't, no doubt about it. Like, this is new, right? This has been developing quite successfully over the past uh, few years in New York and also nationally. Um, but to make it seem like it's not like a grassroots thing or it's something that's sort of been developed top down, I think is frankly, you know, BS. It's uh, it's something that has had a lot of people join up because they're tired of doing politics in the same way, having to go through those kind of institutions. And again, I, you know, <laughs> from your from, from your lips to God's ears, if like DSA could become a machine in the sense that it was very powerful to uh you know, to sort of shape races uh, through, you know, the weight of its 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 power, I think that would probably be a good thing. Um, but I think it's very outlandish, um, you know, to sit here and, and act like it's something that has been co-opted by, you know, these kind of sinister interests that are, are, aren't looking out for everyday people. Because, you know, there are a lot of better ways to make a career and a name for yourself in politics than putting the, the DSA name uh, next to your next to your run. Yeah, absolutely. Although, as you say... Um, they are running a slate, uh, mm -hmm. in, and, you know, when we had Aaron on, um, and I see him in, in, in the chat here and, and Aaron, you can feel free to jump in if, if, if you want to comment as well. But, you know, uh, Aaron talked a lot about the, the slate that they were running and how it kind of, how, how Gonzalez's, uh, candidacy kind of fit in with that. And, you know, I, I was struck by, uh, something that Walker, uh, her, her former, uh, campaign comms guy said uh, during that conversation, which was that, you know, like a part of Nomiki's appeal was to say that, you know, well, she could just kind of replace Gonzalez there, right? Mm -hmm. Like she could just be part of that. Um, and I guess I, you know, it, it, I, I'm curious what your take is on that. And again, because you are you, like, you're not in New York, as you say, but you are involved with DSA and, and you are paying attention, right? To how, mm -hmm how this stuff is going down and how they are kind of running this slate. And, and as somebody who is in DSA and you're looking at this and you're hearing that from another uh, liberal left politician, but somebody who's not in DSA and set aside like all of like the bad blood, right? So just mm -hmm. set that aside, set that aside for a second. But um, how, how do you respond to that? I mean, do, do you think that uh, there is kind of like a, uh, uh, a, a wins above replacement here as far as like Nomiki goes, right? Like where, where she could just kind of slot in or is it that the, that the slate has a certain power because there's, there's an implication behind that? I, I think this gets to like a, a very important bit about, I think different of like theory of change and theory of politics between like a, you know, democratic socialist perspective and a progressive perspective. Um, and, and by that, I mean, um, one of the things that's really, Difficult and, and DSA sort of gone through it where like, for example, people like AOC, you know, AOC gets elected, beats Crowley. No one really expected it. And she sort of gets shot into stardom. Right. Um, wherein like, you know, she does a lot of really great things and I'm not even trying to trash her. Um, but there's a little bit of a space in between her and like the membership of DSA right now. I think that would be fair to say um, the ability to like, you know call her in, make sure that she's sort of standing in line with what's being decided by the membership. I don't think that those capacities have been fully developed. And that's like a real challenge that, that we have um, as a movement trying to build that up. And I think that a lot of people are very um, aware of that and they want to have a, 
not just like a relationship in the sense that they'll show up to your rallies, you know, elected officials, uh, but that there's actually like a direct movement-based connection between the people who are sort of upholding the mantle in politics as elected officials and the membership. Um, and I think that this is just absolutely critical for us to, to uh, be developing as we're continuing to, to win power. The second bit um, is that like, this is, I think like a maturing moment for, for the left, wherein, you know, like a lot of times when, uh, particularly with Bernie, like we became so policy focused and that's a good thing, but you also have to be power focused, right? It's not enough just to say, I want this, this and that. Um, you have to start having strategies about how you're going to be able to put that into place and, you know, creating a block um, like uh, what DSA has been able to build in uh, New York state government, um, I think is very important to, you know, developing that capacity and the knowledge um, that's necessary, like actually like doing that education work with membership about what you understand as an elected official who gets, you know, inside information, understands the way that the legislature works, things like that. Bringing that knowledge back um, to to the mass, bringing that knowledge back to the movement is an absolutely critical thing in any context, in any kind of socialist uh, context. I highly suggest people read the work of like people like Leo Panish and Sam Gindin um, to get a good sense as to like why this ends up being so important. Because we've seen movements before that have had success in these kind of spurts, and they created you know big time, big name celebrity politicians um, who then you know sort of had a sort of one foot in, one foot out relationship. Uh, with the working class movement that got them into power in the first place. So I think developing that capacity is is absolutely crucial. And yeah, I mean, like, I don't know how, <laughs> um, you know, you could really find somebody to be a one-to-one replacement if they've been running a campaign against the institution that has been building up this kind of progressive democratic social space um, in Albany. Right, right. And that, you know, that's a good uh, transition here because I do want to play uh, this. And, and I played this, in last week's show, uh, but we had a little technical difficulty, so I'm hoping that this will this will work. So this is um, from last week uh, during uh, primary debate between uh, Nomiki uh, Gonzalez and Crowley, uh, and there was there was I think one or two other people, but there, but they're unimportant because uh, I don't think they really have a chance. Um, and so essentially, like the lead up here, like the introduction here, is that. Uh, all the candidates are asked, like, what, what would you ask uh, any of the other candidates if you if you had a chance if you could get an answer? Um, and Gonzalez starts, she asked Crowley something, I believe, about um, uh, uh, public safety. Uh, Crowley asked Nomiki um, about, like, to tell her how great uh, Nomiki's um, matriarch pack is. And then this is, uh, Nomiki comes on, and then she talks to Chris, and, and there's a bit of a back and forth here. So when you're listening to it, I think that it's important. Like what we're talking about here is like, like with the context and the subtext of all of the attacks, especially on DSA, because DSA, again, like that's, that's Kristen's base. Um, and so like that, that context has to be understood here. So I'm going to play this and then we'll, we'll talk on the other side of it. We've all realized that we have to get the issues uh, clear and we can't be distracted by um, any noise and drama. And so, Kristen, I ask you, uh, all of us signed a clean campaign pledge. Uh, why have you not signed it? You know, this clean campaign pledge uh, talks about attacking other opponents online, talks about bot armies, it talks about calling out your supporters when they do things, it talks about not harassing people who've endorsed your campaign. There's a long list, you received it, a reporter gave it to you, and I just wonder, why is it you have not signed this clean campaign pledge that everybody else has signed? Yeah, thank you for an opportunity to clarify. I actually 
actually have not received Quixine Campaign Pledge. We found out it existed from a reporter. And I'll give you exactly the same context that I gave that reporter. We don't condone any bullying and we haven't followed, encouraged any of that language or behavior on our campaign. And as a young woman, as a Latina, as someone who is also uh, running for office, I've seen the hate firsthand. And I empathize with any that uh, any of you have, have received. Yeah, I just want to make that clear. Uh, no, we actually never received uh, before. So right. I really do believe, well, no, we did not receive the campaign pledge. But um, but yeah, I, I do, I really appreciate the opportunity to clarify where we stand on bullying and harassment because in, in no way as someone who's been the, my, when I ever condone any of that behavior um, on any campaign. Call my so endorsers personally and, and ask them why they were supporting me because we have met many. Not factual. You follow me to a poll and then um and then assemblywoman's chief I staff, uh, came there's there's 40 polls in our district and on election day less than an hour before um you came with a group of people and came to us and and furthermore a chief of staff who's a volunteer for a campaign physically had to be separated from me when he followed me down the street so we all signed a clean campaign pledge i know i sent it i know others sent it you might say that you didn't receive yeah. it money i am i don't know what you're referring to and i'm you know, again, I, I, I that sounds you can take this. My life, I've been physically at risk. We had to call the cops on something. Because because already that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so maybe you can, it today. Sign why don't you make sure that she's got a copy and she can decide if she's going to sign it or not, and we'll see where that goes. I think the reporter sent it to her already. So that's the moderator stepping in there. Um, uh, obviously, like n not a lot of love lost, uh, at least from my interpretation of that exchange between the two. Uh, but I think that it's important to kind of put this in the broader context of what this attack is really about. And and we kind of touched on that a little bit before, but um, it, it kind of portraying Gonzalez's supporters as all part of these. And, and I looked into, uh, uh, you know, some of the allegations uh, that were made and uh, does not really appear that the person who they caught on got on video uh, had anything to do with the campaign and maybe wasn't even a Gonzalez supporter. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, like it does kind of remind you of like the Bernie bro attacks, which is again, <laughs> like a tired comparison, but it is like what's going on. And I guess I'm kind of curious as you know, somebody who has, uh, you know, worked with, with Nomiki in the past, like, um, like this does seem to, like, like, where's this coming from? Really? I mean, again, I'm trying to be very professional and not do personal uh, stuff. Of course, like, of course. I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not asking you to just kind of like, no, I know, uh, I know. I'm just, you know. I, I'm also saying like, I, I have my own private opinions on these things, but, um, I mean, look, that, that, that clip, I think, is just absolutely, uh, it's, it's not only ridiculous, it's, it's quite shameful, frankly, uh, to be implying that Gonzalez is out here encouraging her supporters to harass, not only just like online, in the sense of like a swarm or something like that, um, you know, physically intimidate uh, Nomiki and her campaign is, you know, it would be laughable if it wasn't such a serious charge. And I think if you're going to lay something like that, you need to have some, some pretty serious evidence. Um, around it. And I, I find it to just be truly, truly shameful to keep on, um, you know, repeating this, this, this fallacy here. Um, the, the pledge itself, as, as Gonzalez says, is like, well, one, um, the fact that she's getting it from a reporter, I think tells you all that you need to know about its seriousness and its merit. Um, but as uh, Scarlet Red, Barbarism Critic on, on Twitter, 
uh, noted, like what's inside of that pledge is quite ridiculous. It includes um, you can't falsely accuse any other candidate of running with malicious intent, including, quote unquote, spoiling the race, cyberbullying that is personal um, or the use of bots. Right. And that's a very constant um, accusation is that bots are behind this kind of very clear groundswell of grassroots support, which you can see, again, in the campaign donations. Right. Gonzalez is the one who has the you know smallest average uh, you know donation, um, which again shows that that's coming from everyday people. It, she has more than Nomiki when it comes to people in the district, and significantly more when you ex- extend that to New York State. Um, I mean, it's 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 laughable to sit here and say that you know you experiencing pushback on Twitter is um, you know the responsibility of Gonzalez sort of orchestrating some you know really nasty harassment campaign, or the fact that all of these people that you've known for all these years are very committed to the goal of building up left wing and, and working class socialist politics in this country. And you running this campaign against that movement means that people are probably rightfully um, very frustrated with you. Um, you know, no Mickey has been, you know, very mad at me. She's blocked me as well. And I, I gotta be honest, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but I have tried to keep it um, as, as fair as possible. And all that we've done on Left Reckoning and on my Twitter account has been retweeting things that have been said, um, you know, maybe with a little comment about how I think this is an anti-left campaign or something like that. But I've tried very hard to not make it personal. Um, I know it's awkward and all of that. Um, but there is this kind of accusation of, of malicious intent. And not to go down this road too much, uh, Owen, but like I know, you know, Twitter is it's one thing, but it's been really fascinating to me to see uh, the comments that I've been getting and other people who have been sort of supporting Gonzalez and pushing back against this have a very serious, like anti-socialist, anti-communist bent to them. Um, You know, and and I think that that sort of shows what this audience is that is, you know, sort of being attracted and brought into this campaign. I don't think, um, by the way, that that's all coordinated. I think that that's a a reaction to the, uh, you know, to the way that this campaign is being run about, you know, effectively, there's this dark, scary socialist organization that's trying to take over New York politics instead of what it actually is, is that, you know, a large membership run organization that's been having a lot of success because they've been delivering for people. Um, and I, I think, you know, as Adam Johnson, as you know, he's known to do, I think, said it really clearly on Twitter. He said, uh, you know, something along the lines of, you know, this kind, you know, this is like the oldest political trick in, in the book, trying to make somebody sign a clean campaign uh, campaign pledge, because if you sign it, it makes it look like you have something to atone for and that the other candidate is in the right. Um, and if you deny it, it makes it seem like, you know, you have something to hide and, uh, you know, you are actually engaging in this kind of stuff. So I think it's a, it's, a, it's a really dirty trick. It's not a new one. It's exactly the same kind of thing as they did against Bernie. And, you know, I think um, it's, it, it, it's uh, you know, it's a kind of by the book, kind of nonsensical, you know, campaign move to try to hold on to something when you're not able to win people over on on the issues because people don't really, I don't think that people are really motivated by this idea that this, uh, you know, campaign that she's been running is the is the avenue to build real, cam- um, to build real change. And I think the real tragedy of all of this um, is that, you know, it's been very helpful for for Crowley. If you watch the, the full clip of that, um, you know, that video, the questions at the end, um, Gonzalez, I believe, is asking something along the lines of why is Crowley accepting all this money from big real estate developers? Crowley asked Nomiki about the work that she's been doing trying to get more women elected. And, you know, Nomiki, uh, you know, runs this kind of baseless attack on Gonzalez. And I think it's been very helpful 
uh, for Crowley for all this to happen. And I always try to remind folks not to get too distracted with the drama because there is somebody that we desperately need to defeat. And unfortunately, this has like taken up a lot of air in this campaign. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely has. And I think that uh, the, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of a cliche, right, to say that Twitter isn't real life. Um, But really, I think if you went around uh, the district and you asked people about like all of this online drama, I think a lot of them wouldn't really understand what you were talking about. Although some of this (laughs) stuff does kind of filter down where it does. I mean, that's why I think this stuff is kind of. Uh, it, it why I find it so insidious, right? Where, mm-hmm. where you like, yeah, like people aren't like paying attention to it uh, as far as like the day to day on Twitter, like the back and forth, uh, even like paying attention to the clip that I posted or anything, right? Mm-hmm. But enough people do pay attention to it and do listen to it. And this is the thing about New York too, because it's so dense and there's population is so big that, you know, if, if enough people are, talking kind of back and forth about this it does kind of filter down to the rest of uh the public the voting public uh where the 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 central premise that like gonzalez is running a dirty abusive campaign is the one that kind of can stick right Mm -hmm. and so that i think is is kind of what the uh real danger to the gonzalez campaign of this kind of, of these kind of tactics is and it's where you can kind of see like that's where, like, you know, I, I, I see the frustration uh, on the part of, of, of Gonzalez, uh, and, and I get it. Like, I get it. Um, I, like, I understand where that's coming from. Um, and, and I don't really understand, again, like, what Nomiki's purpose is here other than to – because I, I think it must be clear to her that she can't win. Mm-hmm. You know, so why are you still in it? And I know that there are conspiracies out there, again, online, like, like not real, uh, but, like – you know, like, the, like, these aren't, like, well-developed, like, conspiracies or anything, but, like, you know, people saying, like, maybe she's, like, working for uh, for Crowley against Gonzalez. Maybe that's the whole reason uh, that she jumped in. I don't, I don't think that at all, but I do think that at a certain point, it becomes kind of a distinction without a difference, right? Mm. Because if, the, if that's going to be the actual effect that you have, uh, then maybe it's time to... To pull back, but but at this but at this point, like everything's so personal that I don't think that that can that can happen. Um, I'm interested to hear uh, your response to that, David. And also want to say, let's just open up the phones if people want to uh, join in. I know there are a couple of people you can see in the chat who who I know at least have some strong opinions about this if if they want to jump on the phone. But David, like, what so what do you think about that? I mean, is it a distinction with the difference at this point, or or is it just something where uh, this is just kind of what's happening, and and and, and that's the way it is. I, I, I agree that I think effectively it doesn't matter what's in somebody's heart here. Uh, the results are, are the same. Um, I, I do think though, like I'm, you know, give, you know, no Mickey credit on this. I do think that she, she mistrust DSA. I know that for a fact uh, before this campaign even happened. And I think that she wants to run against them because she has, uh, you know, significant issues with them. Um, I haven't seen anything material, frankly, other than just like kind of these accusations that it's been infiltrated on some level. And I will just say this is right quick. Um, you know, what's funny to me is like there in conversations that I may have had in the past where people I know have related to me, there's this talk about the working families party infiltrating the DSA and like, 
Look, if I have like a good lefty friend in the CSA who's making that accusation, I'll listen to it uh, because I think a lot of people um, are sort of worried about, you know, the DSA becoming something like the Working Families Party. Um, but from the orientation of where he's coming from, from Nomiki, I find it to be absolutely ridiculous because the, when I do hear that from folks, it's usually people who are maybe, to use an online term, a little bit more ultra um, leftist than anything, right? Um, but that's neither here nor there. I think the point I'm trying to say is that I do think that like there is I think that she genuinely thinks that DSA is a bad thing. And I can't disagree with her more on that. Um, and, you know, I mean, like. As a member, like I have disagreements with some things that happen within DSA, but I, you know, put those out in a comradely way. Like I highly suggest that people are listening to this, that they uh, read uh, Matt Huber and uh, Fred Stafford's piece on uh in, in the intercept, which is a little bit critical of the public renewables campaign uh, being run by DSA. And I say, I, I side a little bit more with them on that. And I bring that up just to say like, look, you know, this is a movement. There are debates, there are questions to, to be had. There are political fights to be had internally. And I think as the left, as a movement, we should be having those kind of things in house if they are, you know, something serious versus like a personal grudge. Um, and I find that, you know, running a campaign like this that has just been so clearly against, you know, a large organization like this, um, you know, that has representation in the working class that is building power. I find it to be really shameful and, and counterproductive, not only just in the sense of like I, potentially opening can, up can the I door for Crowley. Like, like, yeah. like, what is it about DSA that Nomihi doesn't like? I'll tell you, I, I, uh, I, I can't, um, <laughs> I can't provide the, the argument um, well because it's never been clearly made. It's just this, this argument that like it represents some kind of institutional power where you know the implication is that there's some kind of top-down political maneuvering going on uh, where it's a front for something and that's like that's as far as i've gone is 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 what i can say um you know so look i i wish in fairness i could like put out the case for you but like it's never been made clear to me it's never been made clear to um friends of mine who also have had conversations with her about this but i can tell you that it's been something that's been long-standing um for a while yeah, I do. Uh, just before Aaron gets on here, I mean, like, like I will say that I have appeared on uh, Nomiki's show a couple times, and um, she, I think that she has a certain antipathy for some aspects of the left, or like you know what she mm -hmm. would probably consider like these kind of ultra left horseshoe, like whatever. Uh, you know, I'm talking about like gray zone and and, and people like that, and I, and I'm curious if maybe there's some folding in there. We had a, we had a falling out on Twitter a little while ago, like maybe in January. Again, not to make Twitter drama everything, but like I just tried to be very friendly on this because she was saying she wanted Congress to investigate the gray zone, you know. And it's like you don't have to accuse the gray zone to say that like it's probably not a good idea to get the United States Congress, um, you know, looking at media outlets and uh, you know in, investigating them, knowing the history here. Um, you know, and, and uh, it got nasty really quick, including, you know, her liking tweets of people accusing me of, <laughs> you know, being paid off um, by, by Russians. Right. I mean, there, there is this there's always sort of been that there, unfortunately. And I'll just say this, too, like as somebody who knows, um, you know, no Mickey, um, you know, I, I really wish that that, you know, she would she would drop out and that, you know, we could find a way to, to heal this because this has been a really, you know, a negative campaign. I know it's really difficult for a lot of us because you don't want to like have to be going against somebody that you know like this. Um, but I think that it's important because this movement is much more important than individual relationships.
Absolutely. So let's take let's take Aaron here. Aaron uh, works with the campaign. Uh, he's been on a couple times. Um, I'm sure that he's going to have some comments. Probably he's going to do some fact check of me as well. Uh, so, so uh, Aaron, uh, uh, thanks. How's it going out there today? Going. Hey, David. Good to see you both. Not see you, but talk to you both. Um, not much of a fact check. Just like wanted wanted to come on and say two really quick things. Won't take too much of your time. Uh, number one, I, I wanted to respond. I love the accusation that I've been hearing around from, you know, that uh, WFP has taken over DSA or the Queen's <laughs> Democratic Party has taken over. It's really funny to me because the exact opposite has kind of been happening in a lot of ways. Um, I think a lot of uh, national folks would know this, but uh, Queen's WFP, the two co-chairs are both DSA members and strong DSA. One of the co-chairs is a, is a former uh, co-chair of DSA. So um, we, we have a lot of good foothold in the WFP chapter in Queens. Um, and the Queens Democratic Party, several of their district leaders are open DSA members. Um, so I think it's it, it really hilarious and folks say that the opposite has happened where WFP has <laughs> taken over DSA. No, it's not that. It's the exact opposite. We are working more closely with them and have, I think, influenced the Democratic Party in a lot of ways. Uh, even more, uh, not intentionally, just members doing it on their own. So we have we have had haven't had to do anything as an organization. Just individual members want to do that, which has been really great. So I wanted to say that. And second of all, uh, I wanted to say, you know, there were two weeks out as of today until election day. It's only two weeks left. Um, we are facing a influx of spending, not just Crowley's half million, but also uh, there's a new six-figure pack that is now spending heavily on digital ads and TV ads for Crowley, which is unheard of in the state Senate race. Mm. Um, a lot of, they're leading to public safety attacks now, you know, a lot of black faces on the screen saying like, you know, public safety is out of control. We need a strong, real Democrat, whatever, um, that kind of stuff. So the huge amount of spending, I think Crowley's on her ninth or 10th mailer now, um, claiming to be a tenant advocate and claiming she's not taking any money from real estate developers. And when Kristen responded to her on Twitter pointing out that no, you are taking thousands of real estate developers and slumlords. She deleted her tweet, uh, which I thought was really hilarious. Um, kind of just showing that she cannot take any criticism of her very obviously terrible record. Um, so I want to say it's encouraged, folks. This is a one-on-one -on -one race, two weeks out. Um, I would uh, say donate to our campaign, gonzalezfornewyork.com slash donate, and sign up for an event. We have phone banks and uh, campuses literally every day. So no matter where you are in the country, if you want to come make some calls for Kristen, it's super easy. And Astoria is the People's Republic of Astoria, so it's super easy to talk to socialists there. Uh, Gonzalez for New York.com slash events. I had to plug that. Sorry, I had to plug that. I feel like it's my uh, duty. But if you have any questions, happy to take any. Thank you. No, yeah, no worries. Uh, uh, Aaron, always, uh, always impressed by how much um, campaign uh, <laughs> info you can pack into that time. Um, I, I don't really have any questions, but uh, David, I don't know. Maybe you do this. I don't know if you've had the chance to talk to Aaron before, but he is—he does—he he is very informative. He, he does know a lot about it. Maybe, maybe you have any questions about the campaign? I mean, not to, to softball it too much, Aaron, but I, I would just be curious, like, um, to hear about like what the experience of the ground operations have been, because from everything I've been seeing, it seems like it's been very positive, and a lot of people have been sort of mobilized uh, into joining into the campaign, which I think really contradicts this argument. Um, you know, that this is, you know, some kind of institutional top-down campaign rather than something that a lot of people are sort of showing up for. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. We have the easiest, easiestly, easiestly, that's not the word, easily the strongest uh, ground game of any uh, campaign in the race. Uh, this weekend alone, we knocked almost 5,000 doors and we had well over a wow. hundred volunteers out. Um, with huge armies across all three boroughs, which is really remarkable. Uh, a lot of support from people, a lot of folks who are still finding out about the race. Uh, unfortunately, you know, there, there are some folks who haven't heard of Crispin yet. They're just getting like eight or nine mailers from Crowley saying she's like an, a progressive candidate. There are folks <laughs> who actually think Crowley's progressive because of how she's been positioning herself and all the mail she's been getting and maybe some, you know, uh, help from other candidates in the race, you know. Um, so I think that's, that's one thing we are combating with a lot of field and a lot of both on the doors and a lot of phone banking. We're, we're calling through thousands and thousands of voters in a matter of hours uh, every single day because we have this, a lot of people calling for us um, and we have a lot of support. I believe we passed 50,000 doors knocked off the entire campaign, which is definitely higher than any other candidate. Um, Crowley has been paying a lot of her canvassers, which you know is fine, but a lot of them don't really care about her campaign. Uh, we've heard stories of people talking to them and they're like, yeah, I'm voting for Kristen. I'm supporting Kristen. I support progressives. I'm like Bernie, uh, which is always funny to hear. Um, and there is almost no ground game from uh, the non-Crowley, non-Christian people. There's like nothing. It's it's pretty irrelevant. We talked to all the doors. They have no idea who the, any other candidates are. Um, so it's very clearly on the ground. Anybody who's in Astoria, Manhattan, Brooklyn, these parts of the district, it's just Kristen and Crowley. That's it. So the Twitter stuff is always fun, but it's literally just yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. No, could I just say something really quick, Owen? Like, no, no, I think go, it's, ahead, go ahead. I, I think it's important for people who might be listening to this and they don't know much about like the DSA endorsement pro- process. Um, you know, one of the best things that DSA does is that they don't do what's called like a paper endorsement where like a lot of organizations, um, you know, they'll say we've supported this candidate or that candidate. And people usually get worked up about it in DSA's context because like there might be like a somewhat, somewhat squishy progressive versus like a horrible corporate Democrat. They're like, why didn't they support this person, endorse this person, and that person? Well, it's because like what DSA does when they endorse somebody, they devote uh, the chapter's resources and their membership to doing volunteer work for the campaign. Uh, which is like twofold. One, it makes the endorsement extremely powerful. <laughs> and two, because it's somewhat independent, right? It's like DSA knocking doors for like this candidate. It also builds up the capacity and like the knowledge and the skill base within the membership to become a more powerful and better organization in the future, right? So each campaign, like people are getting more and more experience uh, volunteering and doing that kind of campaign work, right? And I, I, I just bring that up to one, say like, Hell yeah, this is like a, it's been a really great strategy and I think it's paid dividends in, in New York in particular. Um, and two, um, well, it's like, there's no doubt that like, um, you know, DSA is like a newer player in like the long um, scale of things in like local politics in a lot of places. Um, but they're really building up something that is like unique and different um, from a lot of other organizations, which is sort of like, you know, come around a certain policy or something like that. And then they put out a press release saying we like this candidate or this ca- candidate. Like they're actually building that like, people power and knowledge, which is why, you know, it's a movement that, that I support, um, you know, in, in general and why it was not difficult for me in, in this race to figure, um, you know, who to throw my, my weight behind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Aaron, if you, if you have any more comments, uh, go ahead, but otherwise I think we'll take Alex next. Yeah. Love Alex. Um, I think, uh, I agree with all of what, uh, David said, uh, DSA endorsements are not paper. They're real and they have a, a lot of backing on them, uh, mobilizing hundreds and hundreds of people to campaigns. So I don't, I don't know if, or too many other orgs that do that, mostly other membership based orgs who do that, um, which is great to see, but DSA is definitely the largest one. 
Um, and yeah, I would just say we need as much help as we can in the final two weeks and uh, anything you can donate, anything folks can give time, even an hour to make calls or to knock doors would really help us get us across the finish line and defeat another Crowley. And, you know, um, after election day, I'll, I'll have plenty of things to, to say about our other <laughs> opponents, but I'm holding right. that in until after election day. No, no, no. Of course. Of course. All right. Well, thanks, Aaron. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. Uh, let's take uh, another uh, DSA member here, uh, Alex. Um, Alex, go ahead. How's it going today? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Go ahead. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, I just wanted to comment a little bit about the anti-left campaign um, thing that, that David was talking about. Uh, I'm also barbarism critic on Twitter. Um, but, uh, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, nice to meet you. Um, yeah, one of the things I noticed um, with, like, the handful of supporters that I've encountered um, of Nomikis on Twitter was uh, – was the critiques of the DSA were like well to the right of DSA. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like a lot of things like, uh, you know, DSA is all white. DSA is, um, you know, is, is like, it, it, like it's just exactly the same stuff as Democrats give you. Um, like it, every single thing about it was like, Oh, you want to be, you know, online communist or, you know, like those kind of comments. And it's like, it's just so like hostile to the DSA, but like not from the ultra left side where it's like you guys are too invested in electoralism. It's like that you're not doing things in the proper way and the procedural way and like getting all the approvals that I guess like Democrats try to get or whatever. And it, it just feels like it's so it's so cynical to like to chop off like a, an actual like ideologically strong and productive left especially when like progress like what's a progressive right like rokhan is a progressive and like half the time he's dog shit like the worst thing i can imagine is that like the the replacement for bernie becomes like a squishy progressive that doesn't have like an ideology behind it except that like we should make things a little more left wing or whatever and like that's kind of what the sense that i get from her campaign overall is like like just a squishy progressive and she's like oh i'm backed by business owners and stuff it's like okay like that would be like an automatic no for anybody from dsa because we have like an ideological basis for our leftism and i just i don't know that's like a problem that i'm seeing with her campaign and i think that's maybe why she's running so far to like kind of embrace crowley because like i think they might be a little bit more ideologically aligned than she is like with somebody like gonzalez who's like an avowed socialist so, I mean, that's just my take. <laughs> so, Yeah, well, it makes it, you know, it does make me wonder, and, and, and David, let's have you respond to that in a second, but uh, just to add to that, like, it does make me wonder if, you know, part of, you know, how I was talking before about how, you know, social media, uh, these, these campaigns playing out across social media doesn't, it doesn't necessarily or even really have, like, a huge effect on the day-to-day voters, uh, but what it can do is it can kind of depress uh, 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 turnout among, like, a certain group, right, among, like, the DSA. It can, it can get people uh, who are maybe, like, uh, left-leaning to not want to knock doors uh, for Gonzalez. So they don't want to get in the middle of it, right, because of what they're seeing on social media. Like, this stuff does have some consequences, and that is, I think, one of the consequences of of that um, – of the uh, – the anti-left campaign that's being run here, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder how much of an effect that that's having. I, I think that, um, you know, there's been a lot of attention on this, which I think probably has encouraged some people who might be, you know, catching these things online to maybe get involved. But I, I don't doubt it. I think that it's it's certainly activated a, a particular um, version of like Democratic Party voters in New York um, to maybe <laughs> line up uh, with with um, with Gonzalez. Um, I mean, for me, like what Alex was saying, though, I think really does like hit to one of the larger, you know, tensions that we have in this like post Bernie Sanders moment where we're trying to figure out, OK, how can we build winning politics? And like there is this this fight that I hope doesn't get too too nasty and, and becomes productive with people who, you know, um, might identify more as a progressive than as a socialist. We're like we're all under one camp for a little while. But I think that, you know, some people have a very, very different um version version of politics um not only just like policy wise but in like your theory and like one thing i i, I just wanted to to re-up it's a point that i've been making a lot is like remembering like bernie sanders campaign slogan not me us um you know a lot of people sometimes heard that and they're like well it's great bernie's thinking of me but like what he meant by that is like no like to do this kind of stuff you actually have to have a very sustained and activated base um to be able to get anything done in politics let alone at the presidential level um, because, you know, the institutions are so hostile um, to to the kind of politics that we're trying to develop. I mean, I think, you know, the folks who have been working in Albany on the DSA, um, you know, for the past few years can attest to this. Um, but there's a lot of like institutional opposition to like these very, very popular policies. So, like, you know, one of the big fights that we have right now is not just winning like the policy argument in the sense of like going to people saying, do you support Medicare for all? It's actually starting to build up the capacity and the base to put these things into place. Um, which is where I, I find there actually be the, the starkest difference between democratic socialists and progressives. But if I could be a little indulgent, if you don't mind, um, you know, indulge I indulge away, indulge away. I, I, I've been getting some really funny messages on Twitter um, from from some people, um, you know, who are, have been avowed that they're not really with Nomiki on everything, but they love that she's running this anti-left uh, campaign. And there's one account that I really love called hashtag City of Yes, and I'll just read this as a quick uh, plug for my podcast. Um, he said, we listen to some of David Griscom's podcasts, and he himself is openly Marxist, and many of his listeners are communists. The attention he and other far, far off the charge left podcasts are bring to this race is flooding local political Twitter with hammers and sickles. Um, so a nice little endorsement there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, so, so where's the problem here, right? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, again, like it's it's tough because like obviously there's like a you know a juicy and interesting drama level to this race but i, I i'm going to be really curious and to see how this ends up panning out um in the actual facts of the election and i hope that it's a positive result for the left i mean the thing is like i always remind folks is like gonzalez has been running a, a really successful campaign particularly with getting small donors getting all these you know door knockers out etc but crowley is really well funded like really well funded um, and and I think it's also important uh, as as worthwhile as the strategic conversations of the difference between, you know, quote unquote, progressives and democratic socialists are uh, to not also take your eye off the ball when the campaign's still ongoing. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I, I, I think that's a really good point. And just to like hammer it home a little bit more, too, is like um, Crowley, like Crowley is not in this position uh, because she just kind of lucked into it. And she doesn't know what she's doing. You know what I mean? Like, no, like, and I think this is a problem a lot of times that 
uh, we on the left have when when we're talking about electoralism um, and talking about electoral politics and going up against uh, pol- politicians who are you know moderate to right wing and and will say things and you'll just be like okay well this person is obviously an idiot but they're not like they're not in mm-hmm. this position because they're stupid they're in this position because they're smart what they're saying is they're, I mean they're just trying to say nothing um, but to like to think that uh, th- that Elizabeth Crowley is going to raise like half a million dollars. And, and as Aaron said, like have uh, at least the second best ground game in this, in this campaign and, and be like a real, a real competition. Like that doesn't strike me as somebody who's an idiot. Like that's somebody who knows Mm -hmm. what she's doing and has a team of people who know what they're doing. And I think that that's a really important thing to always remember is that like um, your, your opponent, obviously you should, you, you should have like like the feelings towards your opponent uh, that that will motivate you uh, to defeat them, um, mm-hmm. but don't like underestimate them. Don't let that like like turn into underestimation. You know what I mean? Like like I think that that's an important an important part of it. I I, I totally agree, and I think it's it's really notable too. Um, we're in like like particularly in that that district i mean progressive politics are very popular and that's why crowley is you know somebody who's very much bought out uh, by capital interests particularly real estate um you know is trying to run as if you know she's running this kind of progressive you know not necessarily um citing bernie sanders as much but you know trying to play into that that game and, and implying that this is a continuation of, of that kind of politics and i think that Particularly in places like New York, that's like a fight that's direct and in front of, of a lot of folks. Um, but, you know, it's the same thing here in like Austin, Texas, where, um, you know, you have, you know, candidates who are, you know, like uh, Greg Kassar, who, you know, looks like he's going to be the next congressman uh, from my district. Very good left wing candidate. Um, you know, he was running against a, you know, quote unquote uh, progressive who ran a very, you know, nasty kind of right wing lace campaign, but would always describe himself in a certain way because, the fact is, is that, you know, policies like Medicare for all, higher minimum wage, um, you know, doing something about housing are very popular with folks. And there's a lot of people who want to sort of ride that wave and, and not deliver. And I think Crowley is a perfect example of somebody who wants to sort of ride the wave of support and, and imply that she's sort of interested in those kind of things while running, uh, you know, interference for the institutions and industries that are deeply opposed to it. Yeah, I mean, you can say that you're anything, right? Um <laughs> Well, I think, you know, I think that's a good place to leave it, uh, kind of setting up the the stakes here. Um, David, I really like to thank you uh, for coming on uh, first time, long time, obviously. And and this has been a great discussion. Hopefully you'll come back and we can talk about uh, a, a, something other than this uh, particular campaign. But but definitely good <laughs> to like talk about, um, you know, the ins and outs of of how uh, you guys in DSA are 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 working to to make electoral change and, and re- have really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you for uh, uh, being with us. You want to tell people where they can find you and find the podcast? Yeah, of course. And I really appreciate you having me on friend. Uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. And I would love to, yeah, sometime come on. Maybe we could talk a little bit about Texas or something if you're interested, but oh, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, y'all can uh, check out left reckoning. It's uh, me and Matt Leck, you know, former producers of the Michael Brooks show. And we're trying to keep that, that spirit alive um we do a lot of international left-wing coverage um a lot of focus particularly on the south um and texas in the midwest parts of the country that we think in left media 
uh, people don't talk enough about because obviously there's sparkling things happening in New York. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely check out Left Reckoning. We just had uh, Matt Chrisman on, had a really wonderful conversation with him. Emma Vigland from the Majority Report last week. Uh, it premieres every Tuesday night, 7 Central. Um, tonight, we're going to have uh, Ben Spielberg on to talk a little bit about the inflation, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, we're going to talk a little about Warrior Met, uh, the, the coal workers who have been on strike for over a year, um, and some more fun stuff. So check us out, Left Reckoning. You can find us on YouTube. And then the next day, we put those up on Apple Podcasts if you prefer uh, to listen. Awesome. Awesome. Ben's great. Ben's great. Yeah. So uh, definitely excited for that one. All right, well, uh, just a little bit uh, from me. Um, if you're listening to this live or on replay on the app, please be sure to follow and subscribe. If you're listening on replay syndication through uh, Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcasts, uh, please be sure to like, subscribe, follow, do all that stuff uh, there as well. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Talk to you guys soon. Uh, thanks again, David, and we will see you guys in a little bit. Bye.